0: You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez.
1: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Thursday, August 17th, and the 49ers are preparing themselves for their second preseason game at home on Saturday against the Broncos. There were a lot of areas for improvement after the Raiders game, especially for Trey Lance, who is looking to play in the second half of Saturday's game after starting against the Raiders. Joining me to discuss what Lance and the 49ers will need to do to improve for Saturday's game is Johnny Dells. How are you doing today, Johnny?
2: I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Oh, I'm so excited to have you on. And, and for those of you that don't know, Johnny has an amazing YouTube channel. He also put out a very comprehensive film review of trey lance's performance last week the link to that and his channel are in the youtube description of this video so make sure you check that out if you're an audio listener just search johnny dell's football academy and you will find uh, some great content so yeah make sure you guys do that after this and Johnny, I really enjoyed your breakdown for one, because like I often, anytime people try to explain film to me, I'm like, explain it to me like I'm five. And I I didn't have to do that while watching your video because it was at a great pace. You broke down like the concepts, all the different routes, you you had it all down. So I really appreciated that. And uh, of course, like, I just want to pick your brain a bit on some of the things that you did mention about Lance in that video and what you saw. And like first I, I want to talk about a narrative that uh you know kind of spread it around 49ers Twitter and you know, I don't know, internet. And and some were calling it a conspiracy theory even that uh Trey Lance or Kyle Shanahan sabotaged Trey Lance in that game, and he didn't do him any favors. Why wouldn't he call more runs to help get Trey settled in? Uh, all that. And and I think you inadvertently debunked that narrative in your video because there were several plays where guys were open, within a window, of course. It's not like they, they stayed open, but within a window. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan always has – gimmies built into his plays if they're executed as intended and I think for Lance there were a number of factors as to why you know maybe some things didn't go as planned sure a couple plays where the offensive line the you know the pocket just collapsed and you know we'll, we'll dive deeper into the outside factors though some that I think you know Lance was probably uh to blame but Yeah, it wasn't all about the offensive line. And for some, I just think it's easier to blame Kyle Shanahan than to admit that maybe Lance did struggle a bit to start this game.
2: Uh, Absolutely. You know, the thing surrounding Trey Lance that has been so fascinating is that any situation other than him being amazing tends to be looked at through a lens of Kyle did something wrong. And even to the point where I think if he did come out and he played amazing, Kyle would still be wrong for something, you know, with either uh, being Brock or why didn't he play when Jimmy was there sort of thing. The, the hard part is if Kyle calls like he did in the beginning of the game, a couple really short, quick, fast timing completions and they aren't made, then people are going to say, well, why is he making him do this? He needs to play to his strengths. If he, if he, Call something that's going to be a five step drop, a seven step drop or a play action pass, a deeper, longer developing play, as we saw with that offensive line against their defensive line, that was not an ideal situation to put Lance in either. So he does that. I I see a sack coming something. And then people saying, well, why didn't he do something short in the gimmies to, to set Lance up in rhythm first. If he comes out and runs three times, people are going to say, well, why aren't you giving Lance the chance to really show what he can do? Why are you calling runs? You know, I I felt like, I feel like that there's, there's this expectations built up where it's, it's a no win situation. There would have been something to complain about with Kyle Shanahan on around Trey Lance no matter what, that's the, the life we live in right now with us 49ers social media for the most part is that Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance, this situation is just becoming no win for either either one as it stands right now. Now, can it change going forward? Absolutely. Uh, and and where what is it going to take to do that? And I've said for a while, the thing that you need to see from Trey Lance, this is going back to the games that I saw him play in as a rookie that he has to learn to operate the short, quick passing game. That is such a crucial element of this offense that that has to to come into place before you can see all of the the dreams of offense that we've all wanted since Trey Lance, of the big arm, of the athleticism, of being able to make something out of nothing when the play isn't there. Those things, you can't have that at the sacrifice of the short passing game because the offense will look dysfunctional, and we've seen that. And until that comes around, this is very much what you're going to see. I'm not, I'm not one to sit here and say that that is the end-all, be-all of Trey Lance. Absolutely not. The guy has not played that much actual football. The hard part is you're going into your third year. So how much patience do, does the NFL give him? And that's the hard part he's in right now.
1: I think the NFL in general, maybe on another team would give him a lot of patience or have a lot of patience for him, but I don't think the 49ers are in that position right now. Right. So, but, but you make a great point about the short game and people always, you know, scoff at that whenever it's brought up Uh, and, you know, Jimmy and Brock have, have shown that they can do that. I think it works to their limitations, right. Uh, Who they are as quarterbacks. Um, But yeah, it's true. I, I think Lance for Kyle Shanahan to trust him is going to have to be consistent, like in that area of his game. Well, let's talk about some of the things that you mentioned that Lance struggled with, um, and with there being gimme plays and the ball ideally going to your first read. You know, some have mentioned that Lance locks onto his receivers like after the snap. And, you know, Jimmy would sometimes do that, too. It happens. Um, But you brought up that there's a lack of eye manipulation with Lance, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you consider those essentially the same thing? Because, like, usually you'd manipulate or freeze defenders by looking somewhere else besides your intended intended target, right?
2: Yeah. So there's the thing that you're seeing with Lance is that he wants to be sure of what he's seeing there's there's a little bit of uncertainty about everything and that's what's causing him to play just a little bit behind it's what's causing him to really stare at his receivers ideally what you want is that quarterback like for example the first it was the first third down that we had in the game everybody's kind of brought it up uh there was a quick out to dwelly we had a a, what's called a protection release fade it's called a protection release because that outside receiver is supposed to attack the outside shoulder of the corner to protect the inside guy from a big hit. And so you attack the outside shoulder of the corner. You try and get him to turn his hips, protect away from that quick out and drop back to squeeze the the fade route to open up a quick out. Uh, It's against cover two. It's been around in the NFL for a long, long, long time. Uh, It's ran by a lot of teams, almost at every level. Uh, It's probably, I think I watch a lot of film of other teams. It's one of the most common concepts you see ran against cover two. And what you want to see from Trey Lance is the, the Raiders were pretty clear on what coverage they were showing pre-snap. You know what the play is. Mm-hmm. You have to understand. I don't have to watch Dwelly. You have to understand where that the defense is going to follow your eyes, but it's like, he wanted to make sure that Dwelly was going to break where he was going to break that the corner wasn't going to squat. It's one of those, like I've, I've seen Jimmy and I've seen Brock both operate this play successfully. Jimmy ran this play a lot with us. And a lot of times what you saw with Jimmy is his first two steps back, he'd be staring straight down the middle of the field. And then that third step, his head was going to turn and fire that ball in there because it was trusting the concept and your, your receiver on the outside to do his job, to open up that, that uh, quick out play, okay. That's where Lance is. It's almost like he's not trusting that that's actually going to be open. He wants to verify it's going to be open, and the moment he verifies, he's giving away to the defense what's going on. And then you saw this in in a number of different plays where it's right at the snap. He knows where the first read is versus the defense, which is good. But it's can you operate without? actually just staring your guy down and, and verifying he's going to be there. And we saw that on a number of plays where what you saw from Brock and what made Brock so fascinating to watch as a rookie. And here's the part that I, I, I get frustrated with as far as some social media, because it seems to get lost in the shuffle is that the things that when Brock Purdy came in and I was watching his film, I was more fascinated by the fact that I wasn't, I didn't notice him that much, if that makes sense because it looked like the offense just kept going as it was supposed to operate Mm -hmm. that there wasn't, you didn't sit there and say, Oh wow. You know, there you got a rookie in there. It felt like everything just kept clicking and kept going. And the little things that you were used to seeing from Jimmy, that when he would do things, well, you were seeing from Brock, you were seeing him look off a, a, Defender this way and throwback that way because he he saw the defense pre-snap. He knew where it was and it was all in time. It was something that's really rare from a quarterback as a, as a rookie. And you can see why Kyle got enamored and why the team really got enamored really quickly with Brock. Yes, he's physically limited. There's no question about that but the ability to do what he was doing as far as seasoning of a quarterback was really impressive for a guy picks picked in this as the last pick in the draft and a rookie. That's the hard part that Lance is going to be facing is can you do those sorts of things? Can you do that where you can look the, the hook defender over here off? Can you look down the middle of the field? Keep your head going down there. I remember, man, this is going to date me. Uh, it was back when Mike Nolan was head coach and, uh, and, um, totally blanking on his name right now. Uh, former coach of the, the Rams. He was here as our, uh, offensive coordinator. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking. I need more coffee. Um, (laughs) but he was a head coach of the Rams. Somebody helped me out in the chat here. Uh, head coach of the Rams. He was our offensive coordinator. He came in under Mike Nolan. Uh, it was the year Mike Nolan got fired. JTO Sullivan was our quarterback. And anyways, uh, Mike Martz it was Mike Martz. Mike Martz is our offensive coordinator. And I remember him doing a clip with NFL Network and he was showing some clips of Alex Smith in practice. And he was talking about in the first three steps of, of what of, he was going through Alex's mechanics on unloading the legs. And that was good. And he said, now we're trying to work on keeping this head down the middle of the field a little bit longer on this play and that they were working on him, and it was the same thing, it was eye manipulation of how long can you keep your head pointed right down the middle of the field. Uh, that was something that, there are some videos out there, you can probably, people can find them on YouTube of Joe Montana and Bill Walsh talking about this. These used to be sent out on old VHS tapes but that people could buy, but that they had certain concepts where what they would work on, what Bill would work on with Joe over and over and over again was on his drop back, keeping his head right down the middle of the field. And that's the thing I didn't see from Lance in this game was every time he dropped back, it was look here. Now he was moving through the reads. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's good. That shows that he has the ability to make, get through the And Some of the times he was moving really quickly. It's bam, bam, bam. Okay. Which is great. That's what you love to see that. You can see that he has the ability. It's about trust in the system, trust in the concepts. He's, he's running plays that he hasn't ran in a game situation very much. So, can he, can he trust it? And then when, when it's there, I mean, cause these windows are open for a very short time in the NFL. Right. Are you willing to pull the trigger? That was one of the more frustrating things from this game. You got to pull the trigger. So, you know, it's about, can you, can you see it? Can you trust it? And can you pull the trigger?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, that is the frustrating thing because I think we know how important timing is and anticipation too. And, and what you were talking about, about like, looking off defenders and things like that, like that I think takes discipline, right? And, and it does take the trust that you're talking about. And I'm kind of wondering, like, what is he not trusting about what he's seeing? Like, I, I don't know. Is it just the fact that he hasn't done it enough times? Um, I don't know, but your your coach is Kyle Shanahan. I mean, he, he draws this up so that the guy's open. It's going to be the right decision, you know? So um, I guess it, it seems like there's, there's just some pushback
2: there. There's definitely some hesitancy. And it's one of those that I I hate to speculate because I'm not there. I'm not in the meeting rooms. I I'm not, I don't know what's going on. Is it hesitancy in your receivers? Has it been, I got burned in practice by Ross Duelli running this route wrong because it's a, it's a side to just play, but you would think that's Ross Duelli. He's been on the team for a long time. There should be that comfortability there. Is it, I'm worried about, I don't want to throw a pick. Cause one thing about Lance coming out of college is he threw very, very few interceptions in college. Okay. he was exceptionally good at taking care of the ball. I start, you start it makes you start to wonder, is that just who he is? Is he a guy that won't take a lot of risks and both good, good and bad on it? Because there's some of them, it was going to be a real tight window. And he's like, he didn't want to pull the trigger. Uh, The one thing about Jimmy, good and bad, it it both made some great plays over the years, but also made you want to break your TV sometimes was that Jimmy was extremely aggressive on pulling the trigger that he believed he could fit the ball into the tightest of windows and that would get him in trouble a lot of times. And so, you know, is it? Is it a hesitancy to want to pull the trigger? Because then there were other times where, you know, he's pulling the trigger just a little bit late and that's almost ending up in a pick. And you go, you know, you know, it's for him, it's going to be a struggle of, of complete trust. Is that there's got to be trust in himself. There's got to be trust in the play. There's got to be trust in the receivers. And he has to play without fear. And, and I, I wonder if fear is coming in there. I don't know. And I don't mean like he's scared of, of getting hurt. It's, it's just, there's a, there's hesitancy. The yeah. one thing you want to see from Trance that I, I'm pulling for him is I, I want to see him play loose, fast, without fear, and just go for it. Because at this point, like, what do you got to lose, man? Like, pull the trigger. If you throw a pick, you throw on a pick. I mean, the guy who, who you know, that people are talking about that he's competing against for number two quarterback has been a pick machine since he's been (laughs) in the NFL, you know? So what do you got to lose here? You're just going to end up, you're going to be the same as Sam Darnold, who's still doing pretty well for himself over here. Uh, You know, even if you do throw some picks, like it, just, just take the shot and go for it, man.
1: I feel like there is some truth probably to him not being much of a risk taker. I mean, I remember even in, I don't know if it was last year's camp or the camp before that, but I remember Fred Warner like saying something about like Trey Lance, you know, not taking a lot of risks. Or Kyle Shanahan might have mentioned it too. Um, but yeah, and and that's the biggest difference I think between Lance and Brock Purdy because any time they talked about Brock Purdy and what he did in practice, it was like we like that he takes risks, <laughs> and and you see it I think in games, and you're hearing about it now because he he's throwing a lot of picks in practice. But I think it comes from that, right? And Kyle, in the last week, has said, let it rip, um, I think, several times in, in some of these pressers that he's had and when he's asked about either one of these guys. And I think that is that is a real thing that he wants to see uh, from his quarterback. So I think that's started to become a little more evident. But uh, do you see this improving for Lance without live game reps I mean I have to imagine it would be pretty difficult and like that's the that's the challenge with Lance right that we can imagine that he's only going to have these preseason games to show improvement on you know what we've listed so far is a number of different things and and I don't know if that's even possible at this point
2: You know, I don't I don't know if the trust and the hesitancy is going to be fixed without live game reps. What I what I am encouraged by. So watching his film from his rookie year to now, the mechanics have gotten a lot better. The timing of the footwork is getting better. Uh, His throwing mechanics have gotten better. So he has improved. It's not like he hasn't. You know, people say, well, he's the same that he's been two years and he hasn't gotten better with anything. I would disagree. I'd say no, he he has improved and he's gotten better in in aspects sitting, but there's certain things that he's just not going to get with life without live football. I mean, Brock Purdy has played a lot more games in college than Trey Lance has played in college in the NFL combined uh, by a wide margin. We're talking almost four times the amount of of games. So, you know, there's something to that. And I had an interesting conversation. uh, I think it was about three months ago now with uh greg pinelli who is a quarterback coach uh if you're on twitter you know follow greg he's a great resource on all that things and i asked him what was one of the most you know if you had your mount rushmore of quarterback traits what are the things on there and one of the things he listed was and and it's surprising now that we're having this conversation and i'm not speaking for greg i'm not saying greg is saying this about trey lance at all so nobody comment and, and say you know Johnny Dell said that Greg would say this about Trey. That's no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm just pointing out is that from his perspective, he said that one of the things that was most important for a quarterback to have is the willingness to let it rip when the ball, when the window was there because that's something that's really hard to teach a guy and that's my only concern with trey lance is and and that's just coming from hearing that from a quarterback coach a guy who's coached guys that play at the highest level in this in this league you know what is it what is it going to take for lance to just let it rip because that that's the thing that you know you watch film and and you almost get get antsy in your seat you're going come on man throw it (laughs) throw it now you know as if you're watching a game and you could change the the outcome uh but you know that's what you just see from it. it's like everything is just ah, i'm not sure ah, i don't want it ah, i'm not sure and and you see that with the pump fake or i don't say pump fakes but he's pulling the ball down he's getting it and he's about to throw it and then he pulls it down you know I'm just like dude just let it go man let it let it fly uh because if he can do that the arm talent is there right. the the athleticism is there the the pieces are there now the other part of this question comes down to and i i've had a back and forth with somebody on Twitter a couple days ago about this. Cause they're saying, you know, we need to play Lance. We need to play Lance. And I said, okay, then make the case for, then you need to make the argument of why Brock needs to sit. Yeah. Because you can't, <laughs> you, you can't right. <laughs> Even people who are the most avid Trey Lance. I, I, I hate the term stands or homers that we keep throwing out on, on social media, but you're the most ardent Trey Lance supporters have a really hard time making a case for you should sit Brock Purdy. I've heard every argument in the world of why Trey needs to play, and I will agree with almost every single one of them. Right. I've heard no good argument of why Brock should be sat down because you can't have both. You can't play Trey and not sit Brock Purdy. So that's the struggle, and that's where you also have to understand it from Kyle Shanahan's point of view that – You know, how do you go to your team? How do you go to Brock Purdy? How do you have any sort of authenticity with your organization, with the way that Brock Purdy played to say, well, guys, you know what? Trey really needs these reps. He really needs these. We've invested so much in him. We believe that he could be uh, better than Brock. So we're going to see if that's possible. And we're going to throw away five games or we're going to, you know, put five games into the, "Mm, we'll see how it goes. And then we'll, we'll switch over to Brock if it's not working. Well, you may have just cost yourself the first seed in the NFC if you do that. How do you justify that to your team? You cannot, you cannot make an argument for Brock Purdy sitting down. And that's the struggle and the and the dichotomy of the Trey Lance situation.
1: And I mean, they they did give Trey Lance that opportunity last season at the start of last season. He was gonna start that you could have already said was maybe a risk in itself because Jimmy Garoppolo was there and the team already was comfortable, already really loved Jimmy Garoppolo. So they, they went with Lance then anyway, you can't now justify doing it again. And of course for uh, Brock Purdy, who is also like, you know, still developing maybe um, I would assume, (laughs) even though he looked pretty good out there already, but I did want to share a clip because Steve Young did, you know, talk about, uh, maybe some of Lance's struggles and why he thinks that uh, Lance is, is maybe uh, hesitating out there. So I just wanted to play that clip really quick.
0: Know that it's that he can't, he's not seeing it. I think what's happened is he's now squeezed where every throw is, a, is a referendum on whether he's any good or not, yeah. because he doesn't have a lot of, he doesn't have a lot of college or even pro, you know, money in the bank, not, not literal money, but just that, you know, the ability to kind of go out and play and show people what I could do. And so there's all this expectation and, and aspiration and fear and anxiety and every throw. And now Brock is, you know, Kyle said, Brock's the guy. And now Sam Darnold comes in and what did, <laughs> I mean, just listen to Kyle. Kyle loves Sam. So now Trey's in the middle of this and every throw is crit—you know is, is critiqued and how much better is he? And how, what what can he become and who is he? And so for him, I think he's, and I think I've been there where you, you you know, every time I go out for a series, something great's got to happen. And all of a sudden.
1: I think he, he summed it up pretty well. I mean, it's a tough spot for Trey, but at the same time, it's like, man, you gotta, you gotta show something right. Like, so I, I see both sides of it. uh, But at the end of the day, like it, it is a business, right? So it, At some point, Trey Lance just has to do what he can with his opportunities. As John Lynch said, don't count your opportunities, make your opportunities count. And Lance was 3-3 of in practice today, by the way. And so not a lot of opportunities there, but he did make them count. It is in practice, so let's see what he can do on Saturday. Again, he's set to play the second half. Um, Sam Darnold is set to start and probably get the entire first half. According to Kyle Shanahan, that was always a plan to rotate them. I know for me personally, I'd I'd love to see Lance get the majority of the snaps Saturday. You know, like, screw the plan. The plan should be to get Lance reps because he clearly needs them. Sam Darnold already has a bunch of reps under his belt, right? Like, I don't know if you really need to see a whole lot more out of Sam. I understand that he's learning the playbook still um, or just getting acclimated to the playbook and – these group of guys, but I don't know. I mean, for Lance, and that being maybe the biggest knock on him, that he needs the reps and he's only going to improve with reps, like why not give them to him? Like time is running out, you know? So, um, yeah, that that's what I would want to see. And obviously, with the half that I'm sure Lance is going to get, or maybe close to it, um, he needs to let it rip, as we were just saying. Um no hesitancy, trust your eyes, trust your process. And, you know, you mentioned it, that you liked uh, Lance's processing and he processes through his reads and that's encouraging. Um, You know, sometimes I I think it's almost too quick, like the way he processes. like sometimes Mm -hmm. he goes off a read a little too quick, but, um, you know, having the processing speed is good in the NFL. So um, Trey is going to have to have a quicker trigger on saturday and and maybe even more looking off the defenders right so hopefully we can see some of those improvements then
2: absolutely you know i i hate to bring this up just because of almost the 49ers fan grenade this is but people have always uh, there's been this weird thing of trey and kaepernick okay being compared to each other and people doing this is just out there in social media and i always say i don't see that at all and the reason why is. Kaepernick to me frustrated me as I was watching film back when Kaepernick was playing. Kaepernick was a slow read quarterback. Uh, He would frustrate me over and over and over again because it was like he was hanging on to one too long. And then he moved two, and by the time he got to three, it was closed. And it was like you need to move one, two, three and go. You don't see that problem from Trey Lance. The processor is there you know he can see it he can you see his head bouncing you see it moving and him, him moving through the progressions so that's not a problem you know i, I think steve young really did sum it up really well because you see that on, it, it that's what you see on film is that he's hesitant he's he's like he's scared to make that that mistake and you know while you want to feel for the guy on the other side you know what he the the case he's making about you got Brock Purdy is now, he's been saying that he's a starter and Sam Darnold's there. And what happens with me and every play I got to go out there and be perfect. I also want to say, yeah. And this is why Jimmy Garoppolo said that it was a really awkward situation. Uh, the year that Trey Lance was, was drafted because that's the situation Jimmy was in, right? That, Jimmy had the same exact thing, same thing happening to him that you thought you were the guy and now somebody else is coming in. It seems like they're taking your spot. And now every time you go out there, it seems like you got to be perfect. And Jimmy found a way to still be successful and for the team win. And so I, I, not to make this about Jimmy in any way, is that that's life as an NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and until you have cl- climbed the mountain. That's life as an NFL quarterback. Uh that's why Steve Young said he could feel it because that was him, even when he was getting his passing titles, even when he was winning MVP, he hadn't won the Super Bowl, he hadn't climbed the mountain, he hadn't got to the peak, and so that was how he was treated. This is life as an NFL quarterback. And somehow he's got to find a way to succeed in there. And I, I agree with you. I do want to see it. And it is hard balance because I've looked at it. Okay, if Brock got hurt week four, I'm putting Trey in. If if you know that Brock's out for long term week four and you're going to need a starter for the rest of the season, I'm putting Trey in there. Why? Because I believe that by week 10, week 12, the Trey will have grown and that he will develop and we can start really putting something special together going into the playoffs. If Brock gets hurt week 14 and you need a guy to finish out the last six, seven weeks, I think you put Sam Darnold in because you don't have the runway to really take off with Trey Lance of how much he needs to improve. And I think that's part of the struggle that they're dealing with in prepping these guys for the season is Sam Darnold needs reps in this offense to understand this offense. If he has to take over week 14, and this is the time he's going to get those. He's not going to get those in practice for the next three months. So if you're going to have those, that has to happen now. So they have to equally prepare both guys to be a starter either in September or December. And that is because that has been the history of this team, right, is is you need more than one quarterback in the season. And uh, and that's the question with Brock Purdy. Can he play the entire season? And we haven't seen that since 2019 with a quarterback finishing an entire season. And it's only really happened once in six years. So, uh, you know, it's it's a hard situation they're in. But if Brock can play that whole season, that's going to be something amazing.
1: Yeah. And and that was one question someone had in the comments. Daniel here asked, do you think uh, Brock can play the whole season? I guess like it's, it's up to be seen. I mean, we don't know how Brock's going to respond with this elbow. I mean, it seems like everything's been positive with um, his recovery and and the rehab and everything's been ahead of schedule and it it seems great. Um, But that being said, there could be other injuries that, you know, keep him out for a week or, you know, even a few plays. Right. And I think you brought up a great point and one that I've mentioned in previous episodes too, that I think Trey Lance and Sam Darnold give you, different things as like a QB2, right? And I think for Sam Darnold, he does have that higher floor um, where, okay, if if Brock is only out for a few plays and you you just need to get through a game, Sam Darnold's your guy. But I mean, for a few weeks for the rest of the season, maybe you want Trey Lance out there because he potentially has a higher ceiling just based on, you know, the talent that he has. Although Sam Darnold did have that same arm talent too. I think it's just capped by his mistakes, (laughs) you know, more than anything, which, you know, on the other hand, Trey Lance is is kind of uh, the opposite because he's, he's so scared to make a mistake. (laughs) Right. But, you know, I think at the very least at that point, if, if Brock was out for the rest of the season, you would want to see what you would could potentially end up with in Trey. So I think that's the complexity of this decision. And it's not an easy one at all. Um, I really don't think it, it's black and white and and it's necessarily between who's the better quarterback. Like it's it's also who's the better quarterback for that particular situation. And and that I mean that's a whole nother question, I think. So Sam Donald though, I mean, what, what have you seen from him? To me, he doesn't look terrible. Uh, he hasn't, you know, thrown a ton of interceptions in camp, which I'm not so surprised by because I think I had heard reports. He's a, he's a good practice quarterback. Um, and so it's just when he's in games that, you know, the, the turnovers and things like that start to rear their ugly head. Um, But I mean, we didn't we didn't see him throw a pick in in last week's game either, even though there was a close one. Um, But Sam, I I think he looks fine. I mean, it's not too scary. Uh, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with him again, like starting a number of games for this team should anything happen to Brock. But he can finish a game. I could see that.
2: You know, uh, I, I probably am in the minority where I I feel like the 49ers could compete even for a Super Bowl with any three of these guys. I really do. You know, Trey Lance obviously would need a longer runway to get going, uh, I think, to be able to compete at that kind of a level. Uh, but I think with the way that this team played down the stretch last season with Brock Purdy, uh, one thing we forget that was a big element of the 49ers scoring 32 plus points per game down the stretch last season was the defense was playing out of this world and the entire team was playing out of this world. And when you have the run game mixed in with Christian McCaffrey, uh, the, the, Matchup problems you create with Debo Samuel that this uh, that this team was really tough. I mean, they were not just barely winning a lot of those games. They were really just handling teams in a lot of those games. Uh, I think the you know the only really close one was the Raiders game, uh, which was one that felt really weird in every way. Um, But overall, you know, this was a team that was that was an extremely strong team, and so. I really feel good with any of these quarterbacks. And when it comes to Darnold in particular, Darnold's had streaks that where he's looked good in the NFL and he's looked like the guy that was drafted where he was. The arm talent is there. You know, when he, when he throws a ball, he looks like a top tier NFL quarterback the way the ball comes out of his hands, the way it hits, hits where he's trying to throw. The biggest thing that Darnold has run into is when he gets knocked off rhythm, when he gets pushed out of time is, things can go awry and they can go really awry. And when he starts feeling like he's got to take the load for the team and he starts pressing and you just see some of these horrible throws, just throws that don't make any sense. And you go, why, which, why, why, you know? And, and that's the, the thing in this, on this team, can Kyle calm him down and say, dude, you can take a sack on, Two out of four drives and kill the drive, and we're still gonna win this game, you know. Like our our team is that good, our run game is gonna be that good. We just need you to make a handful of plays here. You don't need to do anything. Can can Kyle do that with Sam Darnold? I don't know if you you know, or can he manage Sam Darnold in that way? And people will say, Well, you can't win a Super Bowl that way. Yeah, we've seen it happen before. Um, you know, there's been teams that have that have been able to do that uh before, and and defenses that have been able to win uh Super Bowls for their team. So I think this team is deep enough that they can compete with any of the three of these guys. So I I feel better about our quarterback room than I really did this time last year, because this time last year, Jimmy was on a side field throwing. He, he was expected to be getting moved. Uh, We were looking at Trey Lance and a a game plan that was very much centered around him running the ball. And you had what we knew was just the last pick in the draft of like, okay, like that'll be great if we got to go to him. And, 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 you know that was our our real options at quarterback they didn't look great at this point last year now we know that it was a lot better than we thought it was so you know i feel better at this point in the year about our quarterback room now than i did last year and we made it to the end we made a a missing quarterback away from the super bowl so uh you know i i'm feeling i'm feeling good about the team and i'm feeling good about our quarterback situation
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. And I mean, you know, Brock Purdy, QB1, all all signs point to him not suiting up for Saturday's game. Um, But I hope that we do see him like in the third preseason game, at least like I'd like to see him get some run before week one. I know he's been practicing. He's now practicing three days in a row. Right. Like he's he's cleared um, no more limitations. Uh, and there were reports of today's practice being really good for Brock. No interceptions, and uh, he was very locked in. Uh, but yeah, like I, I would really hope to see Brock get get a little bit of, uh, you know, some runway before Week One.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: But let's talk about some of these battles that that we're looking for for the rest of the team. I mean there are some things I think we we can all agree needed to improve besides some of the QB play uh, last preseason game. And I think we can agree that the trenches, you know, both sides of it, offensive line, defensive line, that depth, who's going to step up is the question. Right. And so I think there are some guys who may be intrigued us, some guys who disappointed us uh, and, I don't know, like, are there a couple of names that that you're keeping an eye on uh, for this game on Saturday?
2: i am you know i'm working actually through a video right now uh on some risers and fallers coming from the game some guys are going to point out a guy to me w- one of the most interesting battles that has really popped up is that third tight end spot um yeah. or uh, sorry not third tight end a third linebacker spot okay. uh, the third linebacker spot has really popped up to me as far as you know what's going to happen there uh you had um it was uh McCrary ball the linebacker he' was number 40 he had an exceptionally poor game last game and he was out there earlier in the in the the rotation whereas then Jalen Graham and D Winters played better than I expected so that's an interesting competition there Flanagan fouls to me, is the same player he's been for a little while now. And that's a guy that I, that worries me if he gets on the field, uh, he's a little bit slow in his reaction. He's a little bit poor in his angles. Uh, You know, he's, he's just kind of an, a player a guy that can be good enough to get on the field but bad enough to really cost you and so I want to see somebody come in and push for that spot and I think Jalen Graham and Dee Winters now the thing that both those guys flashed was speed speed and aggressiveness from the linebacker spot which is really good now both of them need to work on some of their pass drops Uh, they were a little over aggressive and they were they're giving up some crossers and some things over the middle Um, but I think to me what they showed in the run game uh can really really um you know shows in and you know baby greenlaw 53 yeah that's that's D Winters <laughs> what was fascinating to me is I was really intrigued by that draft pick because if you look up his measurables he is almost the same size as Dre Greenlaw. Uh I think Dre Greenlaw is is six foot and he's five foot eleven. Dre Greenlaw's listed at two twenty-four and I think he was two twenty-three. I mean they're nearly the same size and you look at him they look very, very similar body types. I mean, they move really similar, uh, lots of speed in their game. And I almost, I, I've almost wondered if D winters wasn't drafted to be a stash guy to take over for Dre Greenlaw. If they can't pay him, that's what I've kind of figured uh, because of how similar they were, or if he's there as insurance in that linebacker spot. But, you know, those are two guys, Jalen Graham and Dean Winters are guys that I'm keeping an eye on. Um, I want to see what's going to happen with that slot corner position. Isaiah Oliver played a very poor (laughs) game, very poor game. Um, He, he got out physical by one of, oakland's smaller receivers uh the guy literally just shoved him off at the top of a route and created f- like three four yards of separation uh and you know steve wilkes has talked about that now that that's now a position that is up for the grabs personally they've talked about moving demo in back inside i don't love the idea of that i think he was really starting to flourish on the outside so to me uh i don't know why you're why you move him around again I I would like to see Ambry Thomas there. I think Ambry Thomas was the only defensive back that we had on the field who was covering those crossing routes in any sort of reasonable way and, and doing a good job at it. So I say you know, let's see Ambry there. You know some somebody's got to step up and seize that slot role. Uh, that that's the biggest question mark to me. You know yeah, defensive end uh, opposite Bosa is kind of a you know that's a question mark, but. You got three studs everywhere else on the defensive line. I'm not as much worried about that as if guys are open after two seconds. It doesn't matter how good your defensive line is.
1: I think you echoed a lot of the things that we've been seeing. Some of the things we're excited about in like the linebackers, the 49ers are so good at drafting linebackers. It's like rookies come in and they're like ready to, (laughs) they're ready to go if need be. And that's a great feeling to have. Um, Great group of guys in Graham and D Winters. And yeah, I mean, I'm also concerned about, well, I wouldn't say concerned, but I guess intrigued by the nickel spot right now because, again, Isaiah Oliver, I mean, that sucks because they they signed him, uh, and according to them, he was the best nickel available in free agency, and he's not doing so well. And I think the fact that he even played as much as he did in that game uh, last week tells you that he probably wasn't even looking good in practice, right? Right. So I, but the reemergence of Ambry is great for this team, and I think they're moving some guys around just to see if they can find a way to get their three top corners on the field at the same time, which is not a bad thing. But I agree with you. I think Lenore uh, really took off on the outside last year, and I would love to see him continue holding down that spot. Um, but yeah, maybe Ambry could could take over uh, at nickel. Who knows? I mean. I wonder if they'll he'll get more time there in, in this game on Saturday. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Gamon Brown, thank you for the donation. Um, he mentions Latu, and <laughs> are, are we concerned about Cameron Latu being a huge miss? Uh, will he be the Trey Sermon of TEs? Uh, Johnny has half a helmet and a sword. Uh, <laughs> look, I I think uh, Latu. I've been saying I have beef with Latu right now because he's a drop machine and he had two drops in today's practice from what I saw. And he he's been drop riddled all through camp. And it's just, it seems like it's a mental thing, obviously, like once you get into the drops and you have that many and you get, you get the yips, you know? Uh, So he's in that weird uh, spot right now. And I've been saying it, it would not sit right with me if Latu got a roster spot, um, you know, over a guy like Braden Willis, who I think Braden Willis has been, uh, doing pretty well, all things considered, uh, you know, in camp and, you know, I think he had a catch in in last week's game as well. So uh, it's tough with Latu. I mean, obviously he was a third round pick, so he's going to stick around some way somehow. Uh, but man, the, the drops are brutal right now.
2: They are. And I, I have a little beef with lots just from this, from the sense one, I live uh, about 70 miles from Tuscaloosa. So, you know, for me, it's Roll Tide. Um, And two, he was one of my guys, you know, coming out of college, when I, I came away from the senior bowl, I was actually, I was talking to Wayne Breezy. And I said, man, a lot I like him. I like him as a tight end. And he, and he was like, nah, no man. No. Nah. And, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I just, I, I liked what I saw at the senior bowl. And so I was, I was kind of, you know, quietly pounding the table. The two guys I came away from the senior bowl I was pounding the table for was Sydney Brown and Cameron Latu, And I about vomited when the Eagles picked Sydney Brown uh, as the first safety off the board, just a few picks before the 49ers. And then two, uh I, I think I tweeted it out. People were like, you know, is is draft night. And I think somebody said, you know, who do you see going? And I said, I think it's gonna be I, it was like Keanu Benton or Cameron Law. Too, I think it was was who I said I, I saw us picking, and we picked Cam Law, too. you know, so uh I'm a little frustrated because you're right. He's got the yips. You know, it's like he's, it is fully, fully mental right now. And uh, I don't know if he, it's just something there has got to come together and he's got to start putting it together. The the thing that I, I like, about Cam is the potential that he has mm-hmm. uh, for his frame, for his body size, for what he could bring as far as his ability to move and and find space. But man, you gotta actually you actually gotta catch the dang ball when it's thrown to you, man, or and else that when potential. He did catch it. When
1: he did then catch he did, it, he, Lazo, he, fumbled he fumbled it.
2: <laughs> I, I literally was like, Thank no. Oh, because cause I knew I was like, Finally, I could have something to hang my hat on push pulling for this guy, and then he fumbled the ball away. And uh, and then gamma. When it comes to the sword, I've actually I've actually been asked about this before. That is that's the sword of the king from Lord of the Rings. Uh, if you if you know anything from Lord of the Rings, you know that sword is a symbol for the strength of man to hold back evil, right? And so it hangs on my wall to remind me to be a good man uh, to hold back evil in this world. Uh, so that's why it's up there with the forty nine er stuff.
1: Love it, love it. Um, camelot too needs to hold back the drops. Um, yes, but. Look, some positives like Ronnie Bell looked great. I, I thought um as a wide receiver, maybe not so much as a return man. You know, it seemed like maybe the the special teams unit just wasn't doing a lot of good blocking for him. But Deshaun Jameson, you know, got some room to to run on his return. So both of those guys are intriguing to me as return options for this team. And and Ronnie Bell as a receiver, like I said, looked looked good. He looked fluid, like he. He's been here before, right? Like he it yeah. looked like the moment was too big for him.
2: You know, he looks like a guy who's ready to kick down the door and take that that receiver spot with the injury to uh Ray McLeod. And I you knew I you've got to wonder if Ronnie Bell isn't the reason why Ravy McLeod's They're trying to tell Kyle Shanahan he's gonna be playing week one. I don't know how you play you know, with a broken wrist or for after only four weeks, but something tells me he's been seeing ro- what Ronnie Bell's doing in practice and knows he's his spots in trouble and he's going to do whatever he can to not, you know, get Brock (laughs) Purdy, you know, for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah. And like, I mean, he seems like a reliable target to these quarterbacks as well. Seeing that, you know, Trey Lance is going to be playing the second half. Hey, Trey, trust Ronnie Bell. That's all I'm going to say, because I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy who can make those acrobatic catches. He'll go up and get it. Um, he'll make the job a little bit easier for the quarterback, I think. And Sam Darnold threw like right in the bread basket to Ronnie Bell last week. That was, that was a great, great throw, um, And great catch from Bell. Uh, So I'm excited. There there are some things to be excited about. And hopefully some of those guys who excited us can build on their performance from the first preseason game. And hopefully the guys that disappointed us, uh, Javon Kinlaw, can, uh, you know, do a little bit better in, in this game. I don't know. I heard Javon Kinlaw didn't even practice today. So I don't know what's going on. Like, did he get hurt? I'm worried now because this is like the cycle of Kinlaw. He impresses you in camp and then, you know, something happens. And you know you're like, oh man, why did it, why did I ever get excited? Ugh, did it again?
2: You know, I don't know if it was if it was the press conference he showed up. Well, he's still still wearing sunglasses. If that threw yeah. me off or what? Because I didn't recognize it's him in that con- that press conference. Like he showed up and I was like, who's this guy? And then he started talking and I went, oh, that's that's Javon Kinlaw. You know, I wonder if there's there's not something going on there because Javon Kinlaw, ah, he's a frustrating player because like he had one rep there where you saw the phys- the raw physical ability uh against the raiders where the raiders center that they had playing was pretty darn good through most of the game the center and their right guard number 61 I don't know his name because I was supposed to go on a show with a Raiders guy and he ended up having a family emergency come up and couldn't make it so I'd watched a bunch of Raiders tape I was going to do some takes on Raiders guy and their right guard just blew me away Uh, he was fantastic throughout the whole game and their center was their second best lineman what I thought for the Raiders and there was a game or there was a play that Javon Kinlaw took the center drove him right in the backfield into the running back blew the play up And it didn't even look like he had that great a technique, but there's just his raw physical ability took over. And then there's times where he will just wash himself completely out of a play. And there were like, there was one play they're running a gap exchange where he was going to go from uh, the B gap into the A gap and Flanagan fouls is going to go from the A to the B and the the Raiders are running a counter run and he gets down to the A gap and then just keeps getting washed all the way down the line. And this massive hole opens up. And it's like he just gets ejected from the hole. And that was the kind of stuff you saw in the first half of the Eagles game, too, where he it was just mm-hmm. like, there goes Kinlaw somewhere out of the frame. <laughs> and th- it's so frustrating because he'll have some plays where you go, OK, OK, I see why. I see why he was picked where he was. There's other plays you go, I don't know what is going on with this guy. And what I was hoping for for him in that game was was for him to look dominant. He shouldn't have just looked good. He should have looked like Aaron Donald out there going against second stringers for who, what his physical abilities are and where he was drafted. He should have looked like the most dominant player on the field. And he just kind of looked like a guy. And that's what worries me about Kinlaw. You know, I you know
1: in- injuries have, have plagued him. And that's why I was excited about him looking good in camp. Cause I'm like, well, he's finally healthy, you know? And, and yet, in, in that game last week. Like he he was getting pushed around, which you know, maybe it could very well be because the the Raiders guard was just that good. But man, I, I was expecting more out of Kinlaw. But look, there's there's two more preseason games to to show that maybe he has turned a corner. Maybe that first preseason game was just a blip. And so hopefully we get better days out of Javon Kinlaw. Really quickly, before we before we end, I think like the last guy that we're just going to be watching a little bit closely is Jake Moody. Right. Because he missed those two kicks um, in last week's game. He was iced in practice today, I guess. And he made both of his kicks today from 34 and 44 yards. So that's great. Now he just needs to do it in a game. And we're all going to be holding our breath um, when he goes out there. Uh, on Saturday. So hopefully he hits those.
2: Yeah. And I mean, w- the positive side of it was that they tempted a 58 yarder and he wasn't even, it wasn't even close to being short. I mean, it had plenty of distance. That's the positive. The negative yeah. was, it wasn't anywhere <laughs> close to between the goalposts, you know? So if it was a kickoff,
1: he's got all the leg. Yeah, he he has the leg part down. He can he can kick it as far as he needs. The the issue I guess like on those was just yeah. Just got to get it. it. it if you're it,
2: yeah, if 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 somebody's older, they'll get this reference and you know they they watched golf around the, the Tiger Woods peak era. He's like the Mark O'Meara of of kickers there. That's what we we showed. If you remember who Mark O'Meara was, he was a guy he could drive the ball a mile, rarely hit it in the fairway. Uh, he rarely got it where it's supposed to go. I were hoping that that Jake Moody is not the Marco Mira of kickers, that he will get it where it needs to be. Uh, I believe you know, you it was one of those I know everybody draft night. God, I remember that reaction. It was like sitting up for two days watching the first round and the second round, and then that third round, very end. The four names trade up, yay, and they select a kicker. <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. We've been That's waiting for you to make a move trick. for two days. And it was a kicker. And then, then I mean, it was just icing on the cake to then have him miss his first two attempts. Hopefully he's just, you know, eight icing for on eight. The cake. eight. Pun for intended. Eight. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Johnny, it, it was a lot of fun having you on today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for, for joining me to talk about Lance and, and the 49ers state of this team and all that.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: For now, have a good rest of your Thursday, people. Peace.